This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Valid one time on Friday. Set participating McDonald's through 123124. Excludes tax. Must update rewards. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Working over Christmas, you know, and there's you know, there's a lot more food on the wards and, uh, you know, and the radio blasting out slaves. But at the same time, when things do go wrong, and unfortunately... It's a hospital, so they do. The tragedy is sort of magnified against this backdrop of jollity. You're listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling Science and Technology Monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store. Happy Christmas, everyone. I'm Alexander McNamara, online editor at BBC Science Focus. If, like me, you'll be stuffing your face with mince pies this Christmas day, spare a thought for the hundreds of thousands of people working in the NHS providing vital medical support over the festive period. One person who has seen his fair share of Christmas shifts is comedian and writer Adam Kay, who in a previous life worked as a junior doctor. His new book, Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas, is at times a graphically intimate diary of what happens on a labour ward over the holidays. Our editorial assistant Amy Barrett spoke to Adam over the phone about whether Christmas is more dangerous than other seasons, some of the issues facing healthcare at this time of year, and life after medicine. So is, is it that Christmas is, is a more dangerous time than, than any other time of year? It's oh, a good question. Um... I, a lot of things are different at, at Christmas. There are no more babies born at uh, at Christmas than at other times of the year, you know, because babies don't really, they don't have a calendar, they don't particularly uh, care whether it's the 25th of December or the 25th of March. Um, but there are no fewer babies born. So, you you know, you end up, um, you have to staff a labour board exactly the same, hence why I ended up working quite so many. Um other parts of the hospital get a lot busier, uh, so uh, it's, we, we all know about the winter health crisis. There's lots more bugs going around. 
and there's more ice on the ground so everyone can clatter to the uh, clatter to the floor and break their break their bones um but one thing that's that is different is that um people's spirits are a lot uh, higher it isn't i didn't hate working at christmas i suspect i'd have rather um you know spent it at home but um it is quite fun being there over over christmas and uh yeah luckily a few funny things happened along the way and what is it actually like working sort of at christmas on christmas day what's the atmosphere like it's often it, 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 that's a really very difficult question because it's often very jolly working over working over Christmas, you know, and there's you know there's a lot more food on the wards and uh, you know and the radio blasting out slate and and it, and it, it can feel like a sort of home from home atmosphere, but at the same time, when things do go wrong, and unfortunately, it's a hospital, so they do. The tragedy is sort of magnified against this backdrop of jollity. So it's quite a difficult question to answer. It can be extremely fun working at working at Christmas. It can be so busy that you don't even notice it's Christmas. And it can things can happen that are so sad and made all the more all the more tragic for the time of year. Mm. I guess you know, breaking bad news is, is never easy, but it must be so much harder, you know, during the holidays. It is, you know, like the song said, you know, uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. That's what you're meant to be doing. Uh, and not everyone does. Hence, there are hundreds of thousands of staff working in hospitals over Christmas just in case you need them. And you hopefully don't, but sometimes you sometimes you, you do. And, um, and yes, yeah, it, can, it, can, it can be a very sad place to work. Um, and for, for other reasons, um, like there's a there's this thing that I don't know how well known it is, a concept of granny dumping, which is what families do over Christmas, sort of imagineer some sort of medical complaint in their elderly parents and leave them in A and E so they can get on with um, having having a, you know a week or so family time at home without their without their, their older relatives wow. absolutely it's, it's it's heartbreaking but it but it happens and it's sort of um lots of people left on the, the wood and you know it's it's a miserable place to be a lot of the time if you're a if you're a if you're a patient mm, absolutely obviously and how many christmases did you end up working and how did you end up doing so many of them oh of the Seven Christmases I was qualified as a as a doctor. I worked for six of them, and it it was a combination of factors. Uh, really, so uh, first of all, I didn't and don't have kids, and quite reasonably, the people who got kids, uh, you know, rise to the top of the tree in terms of whether they should be excused, you know, doing Christmas Day itself on the on the on the rotor. And oh, by the way, um, just, you know, if you don't do Christmas Day, you will end up doing that night or Boxing Day or New Year's Eve. There's, there's a lot of shifts to cover, but Christmas Day itself, I ended up working a lot of because because not having kids. Um, I'm technically Jewish. I'm not very Jewish, uh, but uh, apparently I'm quite Jewish enough to not uh, <laughs> to apparently not mind if I'm working uh, working at Christmas Day. <laughs> Um, 
And also there's this annoying fact that you work, move as a junior doctor, private community doctor, who isn't a hospital who's below the rank of consultant. So basically any, the vast majority of doctors are apparently known as junior doctors, whether they can be in their 40s with multiple postgraduate qualifications and degrees and, and they are the experts you see in clinic, but they're still technically junior doctor. So um, every year as a junior doctor, you move hospital. And so uh, every single Christmas I worked was in a different hospital and I couldn't really ever say, oh, no, but I worked, I worked last year. Because they'd be like, and it wasn't here. Uh, it's, it's like... Um, it's like saying you don't want to buy the first round of drinks because you bought the last round uh, in a different pub with a different group of friends. It sort of doesn't really doesn't really come into it. So it was this sort of perfect storm of of factors that meant I ended up working quite a few Christmases. And did you mind? It just medicine has has a big effect on your on your life and your ability to have a work life balance. And it ends up just being your normal. So actually, working Christmases is a lot less disruptive to your life than the fact that you're often leaving work late. Because if there's an emergency, there's no, there's no slack in the system. No one's going to take over from you if it's five o'clock. So, you know, you stay an extra couple of hours because, of course, you do. Because, you know, who else is going to do it? So, and you're always texting people to cancel on arrangements. And and so your social circle contracts because you quickly become the flaky friend, the person who's always bailing last minute. And then you're moving house once a year because you're, um, I was talking about moving hospitals. These are not hospitals that are three roads down from each other. You get randomly scattered within large areas of the, of the country. Um, so things like that. So it's difficult to, to maintain relationships. Um, and so missing Christmases just is, is one piece of a slightly depressing jigsaw uh, by which medicine uh, takes a bit of a, a toll on your on your life. But, you know, it's the job you signed up for and it's, it's you know, you accept it. And, you know, your first book ended in, in tragedy, which led to you leaving medicine. Would you ever be tempted to go back? I think about this a lot so I basically chose a specialty in obstetrics and gynecology that the bad days at work were too tough for me to deal with the height of the highs because the highs are so high you know delivering babies you know you end up with twice the number of patients you start with <laughs> you know, which is a great batting average in any medical specialty but set off by the depth of the lows when you know all you ever want is a healthy mum and a healthy baby and that's not always the case. And I, I, I chose the wrong specialty, I, I think. I don't think we're honest enough as a profession about the fact that, that bad things do happen. But they do, and I hadn't really thought it through, and I couldn't really deal with it when it actually happened to me. I, I think I would be making a mistake if I went back onto labour ward. That said, I do really miss it. I miss the reason that I went into the, the job in the in the first place, which is, you know, it sounds pathetic, but it's true and it's what motivates every healthcare professional and it's to help people. And um, I've 
over the last couple of years since my first book came out, I'm aware that I've been able to to make a bit of a difference on the on the outside. But I I know I could do more. And when the writing's calmed down a bit, um, and you know, I'm I'm no longer flavour of the month as a as a writer, which happens to which happens to all writers, obviously. I do want to go back and I don't know if it's in terms of policy and I don't know if it's in terms of teaching medical students or junior doctors, but I do miss it and I do want to I do want to do something, but it's I've probably done my last cesarean. I read earlier that the NHS in England is short of almost 10,000 medics. Um, what would you say to those considering studying for a medical profession? So I think I think the numbers are worse even than that. It's, it's over 10,000 um, doctors and it's actually over 100,000 members of staff in total across NHS uh, employees. I think it's something like 11% of the workforce is currently it's currently a vacancy so it's it's a big 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 um problem there's a crisis in recruitment and there's a crisis in in retention that said and the answer to that that's the answer to that is money as 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 you can probably guess what do i say to people thinking about doing medicine i say that it's the most wonderful job in the world and it's the most rewarding job in the world and there's honestly nothing like it but I also say that it's a job to go into with both of your eyes wide open I get the occasional you know email from someone or Instagram message or whatever um saying my daughter was going to do medicine my son was going to do medicine my grandchild was going to do medicine they read your book and now they don't want to and the answer to the reply to that is good because if you're going to be put off by that book, you will definitely be put off by the actual job. And it's, it's important to, to know what the job is before you go into it rather than, uh, rather than after. And I think that, you know, my book should be a set text for people who want to, who want to do medicine and not just for financial reasons. Um, just because it, you do need to know what you're getting into or any book like mine. So that's what I say to people who want to do medicine. Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. And then once you're qualified as a doctor, choose carefully the specialty you want to go into. Because I chose this high-octane one, which I think was ultimately um, not the right decision for, for me because I hadn't thought it through. If I'd have chosen, you know, I'm talking about the highs and the lows. If I'd have chosen a flatter sine wave, because there would always be lows, it's never totally flat. There's, there's no branch of medicine where you can't have the bad days by the nature of the job. If I'd have chosen a, a gentler sine wave, I think I would probably still be in it. So that's, that's, that's something else that's, that's worth saying to them. And, and the other thing to people going into medicine is to remember that everyone struggles. I get a lot of messages from doctors saying they thought they were the first doctor who'd ever cried in a locker room, who'd ever felt like they couldn't cope. Um, I talk fairly openly about my, um, my struggles I had with, the, with, the, with the, 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 the difficult bits. And that's something that's not actually really 
spoken about, and that's a cultural thing. And it's a cultural thing that needs to to change. And the only way you can change a cultural thing is from the it's from the ground up, and that is from medical students. And medical schools need to get better at teaching psychological preparedness. Um, you know, the best part of um, 20 years ago now, when I first went to uh, to medical schools as a, as a, as a fresher, uh, they were starting to bring in communication skills as part of medical school teaching, which is, which is feels very strange because you think that it's always been a cornerstone of medical school teaching, but it happens. And they had to have a first year. I was, I was one of the first years where they where they, they taught it. And, it met a lot of resistance from people saying you don't need to teach communication skills, you know, you know, this old guard of people. Some medical and, and now it's it's the cornerstone of medical teaching. Some medical schools now are starting to teach resilience, they're calling it, which I don't think is quite the right word, but um psychological preparedness. And it's meeting resistance from similar people saying, you know, nonsense, you don't need to teach that. But you do need to teach that. And hopefully in 20 years' time, it will seem absolutely absurd that there was any resistance uh, to, to teaching that. But you need to have coping mechanisms for, for when, the, when the bad stuff happens. And in the absence of the NHS as a system providing it to you, you, just, you need to have stuff in, in place yourself. And I, I didn't. And in fact, the reason I wrote down all of these funny stories was my coping mechanism looking for the shards of light amongst the dark. Are there any similarities um, between what you do now and working as a junior doctor? That's an interesting question. I think once you've been a junior doctor, the, the big difference, whatever you do in the future, is that the stakes are basically zero. So... Uh, I can feel stressed about all these writing deadlines I've got about how am I possibly going to fit in, you know, am I going to make it to this, delivering this lecture after I've flown back from this conference or whatever it is. But ultimately, none of it really matters. Um, once you've once you've literally been on the, the life and death, um, you know, environment of labour ward. So... There are there are still pressures on me, but ultimately, if I have a bad day at work now, take my off the ball, deliver a rubbish article, do a terrible interview, you know, people will think less of me. I'll sell less your books, and but ultimately, it doesn't matter. Everything's fine. The world keeps on turning, and no one's died, and you know. Lots of people say in their jobs, you know, no one died. And it's true. <laughs> and in my job now, no, no one died. I wonder what, what do you think the most common sort of misconception about um, working as a junior doctor or, or in the NHS is amongst the general public? That's interesting. I think that a lot of people forget that their doctors are human. Uh, and... You don't want to think of your doctor being too human because humans make mistakes and you don't want your doctors to make mistakes so you just assume that they're not really human. But humans also have lives and they get sick and they get sad and 
and I think people forget that. Like I was, I just remember doing this antenatal uh, clinic that ran really, really late every week. I did it for a year, so 50-odd uh, clinics. And every single time there was the mismatch, the traditional mismatch of number of staff and number of patients, and I'd, I'd be apologising to people at, at 7.30 who were meant to be seen at 4.30. And, and they'd be and they'd be quite reasonably cross or upset because, you know, the problems with childcare and, you know, the parking's all mucked up or whatever. And I would apologise. And not once in those 50-ish clinics did a patient ever say to me, well, oh, you probably don't want to be here either, do you? And I didn't. But, you know, you don't really think of, of your, uh, your, your doctors and your nurses and your midwives quite like that. But, you know, at Christmas, there will be hundreds of thousands of people working on, you know, on Christmas Day in the NHS. They're your insurance policy, you know, in case, and we hope it doesn't happen, but lots of people will need to, to go to, to hospital on, on Christmas Day, whether it's to deliver their baby or whether it's something a lot less, you know, joyful because, you know, no part of your body is aware that it's, it's, it's Christmas um and you know it's a it's a time of time of year where it's important to to reflect and we all do that and we think about the the year ahead but I also think it's it's worth also remembering the people who are at hospital who we hopefully don't get to see but um we do rely on if we do and from that perspective, what sort of five things would you advise people avoid doing at Christmas time or, or maybe be aware of at Christmas to, to prevent maybe that visit to the doctor? That's a good question. Most most of the things um, that, that I saw were unpreventable, uh, i.e. going into labour. Um, it's actually much more important to remember to seek medical attention um don't you know don't put things off because because you're worried there won't be the doctors there or even worse you don't want to bother the hospital that's what they're they're there for so um you know the same rules apply if you have any worrying symptoms don't wait for it to 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 settle down until until after boxing day do you know do still go in if you need to. Um, you know, sensible precautions. You know, don't don't drink too much. Definitely, um, don't drink and drive. Those are things that happen a huge amount. Be aware that it's likely to be slippy on the on the pavements and you know things things like that. The one thing that everyone can do, uh, obviously, is stop sticking stuff inside yourself. I know, uh, I know you've got a lot more time on your hands because you've got a week off, and I know there's a lot of alcohol sloshing around everywhere. But uh, that's, uh, I mean, that that is a, an unnecessary use of, uh, of NHS time. It does make for good anecdotes and hopefully the occasional uh, funny entry in a in a book. Uh, but that's one thing that patients can actively do. Finally, how will you be spending this Christmas? All right. Uh, I think I will be spending it on holiday. 
it's in the wooden. I've not worked it out yet, but um, I'm, I'm still not. I've talked a bit about work life balance. I'm still not great at taking holidays because uh, because I'm now freelance. That means blocking off a bit of time. And every time I block a bit of time, then something interesting will come in during the time I've blocked off, and I keep cancelling it and cancelling it. And um, and my partner works in in telly, which is another similar similarly chaotic uh, lifestyle. And um, I think we've worked out that over the next six months, the only uh, the only block of ten days, or a week even, that we've uh, that we've got without any work in is over Christmas. Um, so uh, much as it will involve neglecting both of our families, I think we might just disappear off to a to a cottage somewhere and <laughs> and just call it a holiday. That was Adam Kay who is hopefully enjoying himself somewhere relaxing in the countryside by now. His new book is called Twas the Night Shift Before Christmas, which is available to buy now. Continuing the Christmas theme, next week we talk to Hannah Fry, this year's host of the annual Royal Society Christmas Lectures, about all the ways maths affects your daily life. We also have a very festive Christmas issue of BBC Science Focus magazine, where we explore some of the most far-out theories that will be doing the scientific rounds in 2020. As ever, there is loads more inside, and feel free to send us a few festive messages by leaving us a review or rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, have a happy Christmas from all of us. Thank you for listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling science and technology monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store.